This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to purchase this book. Tithing and Dominion by Edward A. Powell and Rusus John Rushdooney. Copyright 1979. Published by Ross House Books Incorporated. Chapter 5. Supporting the Kingdom. There is an old story about the farmer who believed that he could cut costs by training his horses to live without feed. The experiment was going quite well until, unfortunately, the horses died, and the experiment had to be discontinued. That farmer's mentality is like that of many supposed Christians. They seem to forget that it takes money to fuel a cause. I have seen them pat a missionary or a Christian worker in some cause, telling him, We will pray for you, and if it's the Lord's work, he will provide, while never making a move towards their wallet. If it is the Lord's work, will he provide? Not to an ungodly generation. Consider the implications of our Lord's words in Matthew 10, 9-15. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. For the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire of who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. End quote. These are very blunt words. They tell us plainly, first, that Christian missions must be indigenous, i.e., must be supported and carried on as quickly as possible by those who receive its blessings. Hence, the missionaries are sent out with as little as possible. The workmen must be supported by those whom he serves. Granted, this commission was to Israel, to members of the Old Covenant who had some knowledge of Scripture. Its basic principles still hold. As far as possible, and as quickly as possible, a mission should be supported by those whom it serves. We send them out. The field then must develop its own support. Second, because the workman is worthy of his meat, there must be a substantial support for all who serve us in the Lord. 1 Timothy 5.17 says that those who labor worthily are to receive double honor, meaning double pay. It is not the Lord's purpose that his faithful servants live poorly or meagerly. Third, there is an obvious curse on all who do not receive and do not support the Lord's work. It is not held to be merely their duty, it is their privilege. The word is worthy, axios, deserving or merited. Thus, to give our tithes, to the Lord, and gifts and offerings above that makes us deserving in the sight of God of receiving his servants into our homes. It can thus be seriously asked if Christian missionaries, evangelists, and workers should enter the homes of those who will not provide for the Lord's work, as the Lord requires. Fourth, the text thus speaks of meriting or deserving, with reference both to the man supported and the man supporting. Not all who say, Lord, Lord, are to be accounted Christ's ministers or servants, Matthew 25, 11-12. Similarly, not all who talk loudly about the faith are believers thereof. Many pastors are familiar with the members who have zeal in their mouth, but not in their pocketbooks, hands, or feet. Such people stand up in meetings and declare that more needs to be done for missions, but they give as little as possible to anything. Fifth, this text tells us clearly that we will get the kind of religion we pay for, i.e. the Lord's ministry will only be among us if we support what God ordains. But here we come to a curious fact. Matthew 10.8 and the words immediately preceding our text declares, quote, Freely ye have received, freely give. End quote. The word translated as freely is dorian, gratis, 
There is here a seeming contradiction. Give freely, but move on if you are not cordially received and well provided for. The meaning of this, God's sovereign grace has given freely to you. Give freely to others. But, quote, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you, End quote. Matthew 7, 6. We receive by God's grace, we give with grace. And if the response is not of grace, we move on. Thus, the merit is not in us. The worth or merit honored in us when we preach or receive is of God. We honor the grace of God by according to those who manifest and proclaim it the merit due to God's ministry. We similarly honor God and his grace by recognizing and blessing it in his faithful followers everywhere. The merit is in the grace. This grace or merit, because they are here interchangeable, cannot exist where God's law word is not believed and obeyed. The work of the Lord is not honored where financial drives, door-to-door canvassing, or extensive pleading to gain support are necessary. The kingdom of God is not a beggar's agency. It is the realm and majesty of the Most High God. We are required to render our tithes and gifts to the Lord. We receive in return His blessing, government, and care. If we do not pay our taxes and gifts, we receive His judgment and curse. God's work must be supported in God's way. We do not have an option to give or not to give. God did not give His only begotten Son to die for us, to put us into the driver's seat. Rather, because ours is more than ever the obligation of a worldwide conquest in the name of the Lord, Matthew 28, 18-20, it is all the more urgent and imperative that we follow God's law of giving. God's work will be done in God's way. If we reduce God's servants to pleading and begging for support for God's work, we dishonor God and His servants, and we become the occasions of sin in reducing His servants to so dishonorable a means of gaining support. Scripture is very clear at this point. God will impoverish a people who impoverish His kingdom. Malachi 3, 8-12 Christ is king. Every king has the power of taxation. Every king commands his realm. He does not plead for support. It comes in as his due. The option to give does not belong to the people. It is their duty to pay their taxes. It is the king's option to give, and our king, having given us his only begotten son to die for us, expects us now to render him his due tithes and offerings. St. Paul says of earthly rulers, quote, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. End quote. Romans 13.7 If this be true of earthly rulers, how much more so of the Lord? The fact of our adoption by grace does not nullify our duty to obey the Father any more than Israel's sonship, Hosea 11.1, 1, nullified Israel's obligation to tithe or to obey God's covenant law. If we are members of Christ's kingdom, we pay its taxes.